0: Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining me on the Word Podcast today. Uh, We're going to continue looking at what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, but now we're looking at a different letter. Uh, We just completed looking at 1 Thessalonians. And remember, Paul comes into Thessalonica. He'd been beaten and bruised and been imprisoned in Philippi and all this stuff had happened to him. He comes in and he shares the gospel message, he and his entourage. And uh, then they spend just a few weeks before they run out of town. He hears some things that are going on with them. He writes them a letter. That's 1 Thessalonians. And he encourages them. He exhorts them. He teaches them. He reveals all sorts of things, fills in some blanks with some questions that they had about some stuff. And so then he sends that letter off. Well, then he hears back from them. Okay, And you've got to remember, they didn't have a postal service like we had, so there would have been couriers. Uh, here at the beginning of the second Thessalonians, you have Paul, Silas, and Timothy together. So it might have been even Timothy or Silas or somebody running the letters back and forth. And so it's just a, a matter of months since the uh, first letter was written. We believe these letters were pretty close together. And Paul writes them a second letter, and it's similar to the first in some ways, and it's dissimilar in other ways, okay? So I thought we'd just continue on. So this is Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you say, okay, that's a nice intro. But always just stop for a moment and just look at how uh, the writers of the scripture, how they handle these type of things. Even from the get go, we're gonna see in the next verse, uh, Paul is giving thanks for them. He's speaking to the church, he lets them know who they are. You know, this is Paul and Silas and Timothy. We're writing to you the church, the believers. Okay, the true believers, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He repeats that repeatedly repeats it again. And he speaks grace over them, grace to you. Then he speaks peace over them, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 3, we ought always to give thanks to you, uh, to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged And the love of each one of you toward one another grows Ever greater. Now, we'll stop right here in the middle of the sentence. He had mentioned this a good bit in the first letter about how much they loved one another, about how all the churches within the region had heard what had happened to them and how they had been transformed. And he was just encouraging them and exhorting them to grow even more in that. So now he's saying, hey, this is great. I give thanks to God because what I'd written about before is actually happening, that your faith is greatly enlarged. Okay, and that your love for each other and your love toward one another grows ever greater. So you have two greats right here. Their faith is growing in greatness and in power, it is greatly enlarged, and their love toward one another grows greater. Whew, I wish that was something that could be said for the modern church in the Western world today. Okay, our faith, I think, is diminishing, our our faith is shrinking. Our love for one another, though we say we love one another, our deeds betray otherwise. And it's in the smallest of ways and in the greatest of ways. And so hear what the Lord is saying here. Our faith must be enlarged. Our love for one another must grow greater. Then he says this in verse 4, Therefore, because of this, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. So look what he's saying. He said, we speak proudly. You can speak proudly of a situation and not commit the sin of pride. Okay, There's, there are different things, different things. Aren't there? And so he says, we're speaking proudly of you among the other churches of God. Why? Because these folks in Thessalonica were persevering. These folks were persevering in faith. Well, persevering in what? Well, he tells us point blank. Persevering in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. They were still undergoing persecutions and affliction. They were enduring them, and not only were they enduring them, but their faith was being greatly enlarged. Not only were they enduring the afflictions and the persecutions, but their love for one another was growing ever more greater. That's what happens quite often, that in the midst of trials and tribulations and persecutions and afflictions, that the love of the body is enhanced and increases because you find out what's really important. All the petty things fall by the wayside. We really don't care about Sister Bertha's hairstyle. We really don't care about the color of the carpet. We really don't care where we meet. You know, or the order of the service, or all this kind of stuff that we get so distracted by, okay? And that are really not reflective of the kingdom. When the body of Christ undergoes persecution and affliction, it sort of burns away all the superfluous stuff. It also drives away those that aren't really saved. They go, I don't need this stuff. I'm out of here, right? Paul actually says something about that in the next verse. Verse five, he says, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. He says, I know you're suffering. He says, but you know, this is part of God's righteous judgment that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom. There's a purification thing that occurs right here. Those that are just sort of faking it, man, they'll drop by the wayside and they'll run away as quick as you can imagine, you know, when true persecution comes. Now, before that time comes, quite often those religionists are the ones that are bringing forth the persecution. And it manifests itself in so many ways. I see such a tremendous A fear within the professing body of Christ today among the religionists. You know, they say they're people of faith and they say this and they say that, but all I see is fear and not the fear of God, but the fear of man, the fear of what about this? What about this situation? What about this circumstance? Well, we need to do this. We need to do that. And they are just consumed with the fear of man. They're consumed with anxiety. They are anxious. They must not have read the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. But they are so involved with trying to make sure everything is right in the eyes of the world rather than in the eyes of the Lord. So those are the ones, they'll come and they'll persecute the true believers, those religious will. But let me tell you what, when the persecutions and the afflictions come from the world, when it comes and reaches the point of what the man of lawlessness is going to do, when that happens, those that are faking it, those that are not really real, will drop by the wayside. They will leave. Uh, That's the great falling away of the faith you know, kind of thing that you see. Uh, They had a false faith. And what Paul is saying, those that are indeed suffering, the Lord uh, considers it worthy of the kingdom. You know, uh, there may be some among us that are suffering for the sake of the kingdom right now, but there's even greater times of suffering that await us. We better get prepared. Well, time's up. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.